Hey, I'm so glad that you're here, especially if you're a guest. My name is Kenny. I'm the campus pastor. And uh, uh, this ha really has been a fun series that we've been in called Joyride. And, uh, and I hope you have been here every single week. And if not, hopefully you've listened on podcast. Uh, that we have available so that you've been able to kind of catch up if you've missed out on what we've been talking about. Because what we've been talking about is having this thing that I think we all want in life, but sometimes it seems kind of elusive, and that is joy. Not happiness, but true joy. And let me give a shout out to, uh, to our prayer warrior team leader, uh, David, who did a great job last week. Did he not talking about Philippians? I listened to it on podcast as well and absolutely loved it. And uh, it was so, so good. And um, I, I want to say something real fast to, to us as, as a church family, if you don't mind. Um, not long ago at all, I was able to go visit another church. And if you're ever out of town, I encourage you to do that. Even if you're in town and you're like, hey, let's go visit another church, uh, I encourage you to do that. I, we encourage our staff to go do that uh, because you get a different perspective. And I went to a church that there was a, there's been a lot of talk about this church. It's just, uh, man, apparently God's doing some great things and maybe he is. And But when I went there, it was friendly. The music was great. The preaching was great. I can't describe this, but maybe you've experienced it. But there wasn't that it thing, that it factor. Like it was just, I just felt like all I did was go and then I left. There wasn't anything that I really latched onto to go, man, I really felt something. There was something so special about that place. I just want to go back. It wasn't that way at all. Now, again, maybe God's doing some great things and it was a bad Sunday all the way around because that happens. But let me say this. I think what God is doing at this place is so unique. It's palpable. The stories that I get every single week via email or text or just in conversations, only God can do. And I'll tell you why I think that is. I think it's because of those who serve each and every Sunday. You're so selfless in making this place happen. It's not about you. You understand that you really do want people to connect with God. You want kids to hear about Christ. You want teenagers to learn a better way to live life. So you don't make it about yourself. And then the other thing that I really love about this place is that you can come in here with all kind of baggage, all kind of past, all kind of anxieties, all kind of worries, all kind of hangups. And the only person we really point you to is Christ. He really is the only one who can fix any and all of us. And what he's doing is so special at this place that I told our team, I said, I don't ever want us to take it for granted for what he's doing. And I don't ever want to presume that next Sunday is going to be just like this Sunday. And I just want to thank you. If you are serving, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for giving your time, your energy, and your effort to making this place what it is so that people can fall more in love with Jesus. And I know Kurt mentioned it a moment ago, but if you're not serving, I really do. I hope you go down to our, our kids area, my left and your right, right after the service and take the volunteer just to see the amazing group of people who pull this thing off each and every week, because we believe we're partnering with a God of the universe to do something very special, and he is doing that. And, uh, and I'll share something a little bit with you at the very end of my message today that will actually give proof and evidence of that, okay? Um, today, I want to tell you what I want to talk about, and that is... I want to talk to you about something I know no one in this building struggles with. I know you have never struggled with this. As a matter of fact, you probably know of no one who's ever struggled with this. Anxiety. 
Now, again, I know that none of you worry, none of you get afraid about the future, none of you uh, have anxious thoughts or feelings ever come upon your life, but that's what I want to talk about. And here's, here's one thing that I absolutely love. This is a true story. This week, I'm walking to my mailbox at night, and there is this shiny thing catching my eye out of a window of a house. So when I look over, it is a Christmas tree fully decorated and lit up. Anybody in the room doing that right now? I just want to know who needs counseling because that's crazy. That's like jacked up. I literally, like I'm walking, I'm going, it's, it's a Christmas tree. Well, then I'm kind of laughing on my way to the mailbox, but it did do something to me in, my, in my mind though. It got me, I started thinking about Christmas. I'm like, yeah, it's not too far away. Wow, okay, so what's the plans for family? What are we doing? So now my mind is just rolling with Christmas. And I love Christmas for a lot of different reasons, but then I actually started thinking about some of the stories that I've heard recently from those who are going to small groups. And then I started putting those together. And in my mind, I started thinking, you know, this Christmas is going to be a lot different for a lot of people who go to the bridge. This will be the first Christmas where that person is missing. And there'll be an empty chair there because, of, because that person is no longer with this family anymore, right? So this Christmas is going to be a whole lot different uh, this Christmas is going to be a lot different because of the divorce that just took place this year. And how do you handle that with kids for the very first time in, 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 your, in your family's life, with your kids now? How do you handle that? This Christmas is going to be a lot different than it ever has been before because maybe you have a teenager who's not making the wisest choices. And maybe they're going in a direction you never wanted them to go in. This Christmas will be a lot different for a lot of people because I've read the stories of those who've lost their jobs. And not only is it going to feel different just for that sake, but not wanting to get those who you love, what you really want them to get, like that, this may be the very first time that's going to happen to you. And as I was thinking about, oh my gosh, Christmas is right around the corner. Oh man, this email, that story, man, that phone conversation I just had last week for that individual, it's just going to feel and look different. There is a phrase given to Jesus Christ at Christmas season. I know it's not Christmas season. Just hang with me. You'll see where I'm going with this in my crazy mind of how it all came together. There is a, a title given to Jesus that he is called the Prince of Peace. But that's his name. He is the Prince of Peace. And the word Prince means ruler, Lord, or keeper. That's what Prince means. So this is great news. If you struggle with anxiety or worry, or yeah, you start seeing a Christmas tree or a Christmas tree in somebody's house, that the Prince of Peace, if that's what you need, here's the great news. He is the one who has what your heart is looking for, peace. He's the keeper of peace. So what I want to talk to you about is what's the correlation, um, what's the relationship between anxiety, which we so easily feel in our society. I think we've all dealt with it, jokingly a moment ago that none of us have, but I think we all deal with anxiety somehow, somehow some way before. Um, and what's the correlation and relationship to wanting peace in our life? You know what's interesting is when you open up the Bible, you know that, that old thing that sits on the shelf, you know, when you open up the Bible, you always read from an author's point of view who struggled in midst of famine, relational difficulty, kids losing their mind, don't know what to do, um, uh, war, death, um, uh, prison, 
uh, having no idea what's going to happen next in their life. Every single author, every time you open up the pages of scripture, this ancient book, you discover people who go through the exact same things that go, you're going through many times, much, much, much worse. You never open up the Bible and read to where, you know, you've got somebody saying, oh, hey, listen, why don't we all go to the movie tonight? There's a new one out. Let's get some popcorn and some trains. No, it's like in the midst of anxious times, that's what you read. And when you also open up scripture, here's what you find. And this is what frustrates us if we were honest. And I know it's church and we're not supposed to be honest. But if we were, this is what frustrates us. Is that we realize we're not in control of anything we're going through in life. We want to be. Sometimes we think we are. Sometimes we're making decisions and treating our spouse as if we're in control, treating our family as if we're in control, treating our coworkers as if we're the ones in control. But we quickly uh, discover at some point in our journey, we are not in control of anything in our life. And if it hasn't happened yet, it will. Just give life enough time that you will reach a point in your life to where financial hard times hit. Relational difficulties are more than you can ever, ever, ever handle on your own. Maybe your own choices finally catch up with you and you don't know how to handle what has happened to you. And maybe anxiety hits for you. But this is a truth that you also find in scripture and this is what we cling to when we read God's word and it's this, there is no problem. There is no problem, not one problem. I don't know what the person in your chair is going through, but there's no problem that is too great for God's power or too small for God's concern. There's no problem. Doesn't matter if you just lost a loved one this year. Doesn't matter if you lost your job this year. Doesn't matter if you're having marital difficulties this year. It doesn't matter where you are. There's no problem that's too great for his power and no problem too small for his concern. Like God wouldn't be concerned about this. It's just this little minor thing. Oh, but he is. He sees and he knows your name. And not only that, but he really does care. Now, one thing I love about this place as well, the number of people who come and you're not a Christian, you're not a Christ follower, maybe you are from a different religion um, and you really, it, you find it so hard to believe, right? Uh, and I love these conversations. I sat out in our lobby area not too long ago at all talking with someone who just they just don't believe the Bible. They love coming, love the music, love what I have to say sometimes, but they just don't believe it. My first words were, I'm so glad you're here. Please keep coming. Just keep coming back. But it's just hard to believe when you read the stories, when you read the Bible, okay? Let me, let me kind of talk to you. If that's kind of where you are, let me kind of just, just press in just a little bit, okay? I get it, number one. I understand that when you open up scripture, there's so many stories, so many things that you read and you go, really? Ugh, I just don't know, man. It just doesn't seem relevant to our world that we live in. It was written so long ago. I get that. Let me ask you this question. When your marriage starts struggling, really struggling, I'm not talking about like, why don't you pick your underwear up off the floor? I'm talking about like, get your underwear and leave. I'm talking about like problems in marriage. When, not if, when it goes down in your family somehow, some way with your kids or with your parents or when you get the doctor looking at you going, it's not good. When financial times and you're staying up late at night because of financial hardships that's hit you, not someone else, but it's hit you. Let me ask you something. I just want to ask you, 
if God, Jesus, and this whole Christianity thing is not the answer, what's the answer for you then? What is it? I'll tell you what I think it is because I see it and I talk to people all the time. It's something else that will help me deal internally with an external problem. A little bit of alcohol to take the edge off. Some pills to help me get through the night. Taking something, doing something just to get my mind off of it, just to chill me out just a little bit. You see, it's in those moments of life to where we realize, number one, we're not in control. And the second thing we realize when it comes to anxiety, fear, worry, what am I going to do? We discover this. We do not hold within ourselves the answers for the anxiety that happens inside of us. We don't have the internal resources to handle internally what's happening externally. We just don't. So we try to cope. We try to numb everything that we possibly can to find peace within our own soul because at that point we realize our soul is actually bankrupt. Now, you go, this has been so encouraging. I'm glad I came today. Hang with me, okay? Because we're coming to a portion in scripture uh, as we move through this book of Philippians, this letter of, uh, uh, to the Philippians that this guy, if you're a guest, I don't want you to feel left out. So let me kind of bring you up to speed, okay? We've been reading this book of Philippians and the guy who wrote it is a guy by the name of Paul. His name was Saul. He hated Christians. He imprisoned Christians. He helped kill Christians. He wanted to stamp out all of Christianity until he met Jesus. When he met Jesus, his entire life changed. Everything changed for him. The way he thought, the way he spoke, the way he treated people, the way he treated Christians, and the way he treated his enemies. Everything changed for him because that's what Jesus does. He just changes everything. And he wanted to do one thing. He wanted to travel the world telling people about how amazing Jesus was. That's what he wanted to do. He felt like he had the greatest story ever, and this was the story. Guess what? There is a God that you can have peace with. He knows your name. He's your heavenly father. He made you. He loves you. And the key link, the bridge between you and him is Jesus Christ. He's the bridge. What a great name for a church. He's the one that you're actually looking for. So he wanted to go and share the good news of Jesus all over. And Satan threw every single weapon he could possibly throw at this guy by the name of Paul. He was beaten. He was left for dead. He was stoned. He was on the shipwreck deal that went down. It was bad. He was imprisoned. And now he's been in prison for two years. And the head dude in charge of Rome, that where the prison is in Rome, is Nero. If you remember studying about Nero, just kind of refresh your memory. Nero loved Christians. He loved taking Christians, dipping them in oil, sticking a stake up through them while they're alive and lighting them on fire to light up his garden in his backyard. Read Roman history. That's Nero. He loved Christians. And Paul is waiting to take his last walk that he will ever take, breathe his last breath he will ever breathe and be beheaded by Nero. This is the guy who's writing to you and me from prison about to lose his life. And he's been there, by the way, for two years. And yet here's the whole, whole context of the whole story. You can still have peace and joy. And we go, yeah, I kind of lose my story of, yeah, but Paul, you don't know what I'm going through. <laughs> it just kind of falls short when you understand that. And what he would say, and what I would say is this, if your God cannot give you peace and joy in the midst of prison, you got the wrong God. And that's what he's telling us about. 
How does this God who knows your name, how can he possibly, possibly give you joy and peace in the midst of your anxiety? That's what we're going to talk about today. So here's how he starts it. This is where we are in our study together in Philippians chapter four. Here's what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. And we would go, you got to be kidding me. You're in, you're in prison about to die under Nero. So he goes, nope, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. So here's how he starts the whole thing. You can rejoice. Watch. If your best day, if your best day is when you have no anxiety, no worries, and you have all comfort, you have not experienced the best joy. Your best joy is experienced when you do not have comfort, when you have some anxiety kind of stirring up, but you still find joy and peace. That's the best possible joy you can have. And when he says, I'll say it again, rejoice, let your gentleness be evident to all. He goes, hey, listen, in the midst of your worry and in your anxiety, listen, listen, when chaos is breaking out, don't lose your character. Don't lose your character. Other people are watching. Let it be evident to everybody who's watching you. Don't go off and do something crazy. Don't go off and try to settle the anxiety yourself or your worry yourself somehow, some way. Just know other people watching, don't lose your character. Oh, and by the way, someone else is watching, the Lord is near. He goes, how in the world can you have joy and how can you rejoice in the midst of a prison cell? that maybe you feel like you're living in and there's no escape, there's no way out for you with whatever your situation is. He goes, well, I just want to remind you that the Lord is near. (laughs) He sees you. He's not going to leave you. And when, when you get consumed with worry and anxiety, maybe it was over the past, maybe it was over the future, maybe it's because of something that's happened, you make the Lord look really bad. Because your anxiety and your fear and your worry tells God, you can't handle what I'm going through. And it tells the world, man, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he's not watching. Maybe he's not paying attention. Or maybe he's not all powerful. Maybe he's not all loving. I don't know what it is, but I got to take this on myself. I love what one psychologist, uh, um, a Christian psychologist said about worry. He says, worry is this, assuming responsibility that God never intended for me to have. That's worry. When I assume a responsibility, God can't take care of this. God's not watching. He's not big enough. He's not strong enough. Assuming the responsibility that God never intended for me to have. This is why you never hear people say this phrase. You're going to worry yourself to life. Never. You're going to worry yourself to what? You want to know why? Because you weren't made to carry a worry. Jesus, in one of his famous talks, gave eight things you should never worry about, ever. You should never worry. Jesus is going, you're worrying about, you're worrying about money? Oh, don't ever worry about that. You're worrying about the future? Don't ever worry about that. You're worrying about food? Don't ever worry about that. Oh, you're worrying about clothes? Don't ever worry about that, ever. So Paul is going, listen, the Lord is near, do not worry. There was a research done on worry, and this was so fascinating when I read it, I thought I'd share it with you. 40% of what you worry about never happens. Never. What you worry about never happens. 30% of what you worry about, what I worry about, is usually the past. Which means it's in the past. Uh, 12% worry about health. 
And my heavens, when we get on MD.com or whatever, then we have everything under the sun, right? I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, world's craving it. I mean, it's just crazy. 12% about our health. 10% insignificant or petty little issues that we worry about. That doesn't really matter at all whatsoever. But we worry. We get anxious about those little things. Only 8% of what we really worry about have are legitimate concerns. 8% of what we really worry about are legitimate concerns. In other words, most everything we worry about and we're anxious about, it doesn't matter. Never happened. It did happen a long time ago. Let it go. So here's where we're going to move into this verse, and I hope I can kind of help bring some of this to light as we look at the relationship of what Paul is trying to teach us about anxiety and worry. And again, man, I hope through this series, we just kind of learned that, man, the difference between reading the Bible and studying the Bible is a pen. That's it. And so here's some things that we could look at together that I think will bring light to this subject. Here's what he says in verse six. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, when you look at this first, you want to go, okay, where, what's the relationship between anxiety and peace? What, is there a way to look at this verse differently? If you started underlining the circles some things, what would you see? The very first thing you would see is this, that he tells us this, do not be anxious about anything. The word anxious that he mentions right here is to be distracted by fear of the future. That's what it means. That you're worried and you're scared of the future. <laughs> and he says, don't do that with anything. We go, anything? He goes, yeah, anything. Now, here's what's great. God would never tell you to do this if it weren't possible. Can you imagine living your life and you have zero anxiety? Zero. Anybody want that? Yeah, I think we all do. And here's what he goes on to say. So here's the second part of the verse that you could, that you could look at. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then if you divide it up, the very last part of this verse, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds. Now, here's what, you, here's what you see that I absolutely love when you look at this. He gets too transitional. We've got a transitioning between do not be anxious about anything and in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. And here's the other transition, and. So you've got a great and and a great but right here. <laughs> And we, need to, and we need to stop and pray. So, uh, but here, the, you want to look at the transit. Quit. You leave me alone. So here's what it says. <laughs> this transitional word, but, it means this. But there's a different way. Watch, watch. You can be anxious about things in your life, but there's a different way to live. You can choose to wake up in the morning or stay up late at night worrying, anxiety about the future. I'm distracted, so now my spouse doesn't get my attention. My kids don't get my attention because I'm so worried and anxious, but there's a different way to live. It's your choice. And here's the connection that he makes. But here's the different way to live. And I love this part right here. The different way to live is in 
everything. Look at this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. This is an interesting phrase here. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. With pr- by prayer, petition, and with thanksgiving. In every commentary I read on Philippians, the wording that's used is this word right here. Worship. You can worry or you can worship, but you can't do both. You choose. You can worry and worry and anxiety and worry. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What's next? And that's the context of that word anxious is the fear of what's coming next. What happens next? And your mind just gets rolling within this could happen and then that could happen. Oh my gosh. And if that happens, then I'll lose my job. And if that happens, he goes, you can live that way or you could worship and you get to choose. Now, in the context of worship, here's what he says. Present your request to God. Present your request to God. Instead of being anxious, we're going to worship, prayer, petition, and we're going to be thankful because there's always something to be thankful for even when you're in prison of life, that you can be thankful. And in that moment, present your request to God. That phrase is not just throwing up a prayer. Because if you were to come up to me after the service and go, hey, here's what I'm going through, man. Could you, just, could you just pray for me? If I were to ask you, well, are you praying about it? You'd be like, I'm praying all the time. Are you kidding me? I'm driving praying. I'm not listening to music. I'm driving going, God, please help me. This is more than, it's more than, God, please help me. That's not what that is. This is more than, God, we need some more money. It's more than, God, please heal me. God, please heal her. God, please help us. Paul is going, whoa, 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 whoa. You got to get past that. That's surface. Everybody prays that way. You got to get deeper. And when it says present your request, the wording is unveil the mystery of your heart. Unveil, unwrap, unwrap what your heart really longs for because it ain't just a job. It's more than that. It's not just a marriage to come back together. Unveil what your heart really longs for. That's what's making you anxious. The request, present your request, is tied to your anxiety. And God says, that's what I'm looking for. What's causing you to be so scared right now? Where's the anxiety really coming from? It's deep within your heart because here's what God knows. If you can give me the longing of your heart, the fear, the fear, I get both. I get the anxiety and I get your heart because fear wraps itself around your heart. Give me your fear and I get your heart. Watch, watch. And you do that and the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. In other words, man can't even figure this one out. You want to know why? He's the prince of peace, which means he's the keeper of peace. So the peace he gives is unlike the peace the world gives. The peace that the world gives is when you're comfortable. Peace the world gives is when everything's okay. That's not the kind of peace God gives. The kind of peace God gives is even when you're in prison you can still have joy and peace. And the transaction, the peace of God, 
will guard, I love this part, your hearts, there's my little peace sign, and your minds, there's my little peace sign, that's what we're looking for right there. It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What will it guard? It will guard whatever is making you anxious. That's what it guards. Paul says, hey, listen, if you want to get rid of your anxiety, here's what you do. You get before God and you find out, God, help me, help me. What am I really wanting that I cannot have in this moment? What is scaring me to death about the future that's driving me nuts on the inside? It's not a job. Then what is it? You hear God go, what, what, what is it? What, what, what are you feeling? What do you really want? I want a job. It's more than that. What do you really want? Okay, what's your biggest fear? Not mattering. That's what I'm looking for. God, please, please help my marriage. Please help my marriage. It's so struggling. You're not just wanting a marriage. What do you really want? I, I want my marriage. That's what I really want. No, 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 no. What's your biggest fear? What are you anxious about? I'm anxious I'll be lonely. That's what I'm really looking for. Watch, this is so important. And I wish we had time to flesh all this out. I'll do my best. In those moments, when you identify the longing the reason it's making you anxious is because there's a lie you're believing about God or you wouldn't be anxious. What is this tied to? In Christ Jesus. Peace is tied to him. Peace is tied to him. If you don't have peace, there's something you're not believing about him. The only reason I would be anxious that I would ever be lonely is that I don't believe he's going to forever be with me. The only reason I would be anxious that I'm not going to matter in my life is because I don't think I'm significant with him. Do you see how this combination works? So Paul is going, you want to get rid of your anxiety? You reach down deep. It's not just a fly by how I'm just going to pray. I'm just praying about it. No, no, no. You sit and go, what's the longing of my heart? What am I really scared of? When you give God that, he gives you peace in return. He goes, I'll take that anxiety and I'll give you peace in response. And then he says this in verse, uh, uh, verse eight, here's what it says. Verse eight, it says this, finally, brothers and sisters, so whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or pra praiseworthy, think about such things. He going, now, instead of thinking about what you're scared about and what's worrying about you, just turn it over. Now that you have peace with God, now start thinking about him, being thankful for him, what he's done for you. Because here's how I wrote it down. What you think about comes about. Whatever you think about comes about. Your life goes in the direction of where you're thinking and where you're looking. And then in verse nine, he says this, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Watch. You got to carve out time to let God speak to you. You got to carve out time to do business with him on what you're really, really struggling with. And if you've got the courage to do it, if you'll give it time to struggle with what's really bothering you and the God of peace will be with you. Paul says, you get both. You get the peace of God and the God of peace. So I don't know what you're going through today. 
But this is the question or the blank. Something to think about. I'm worried because I'm afraid that what? What is it for you? I'm, I, I cannot sleep at night because I'm scared that what? That I'm not going, I'm not, I'm not going to be healed. Uh, it's deeper than that. Mm-mm. What's the longing? What's the real fear? What's the real fear? That I might die. God says, give me that fear. Give me that fear. I'm, I, man, I can't sleep at night because we're not going to make ends meet. Mm. What's the real fear? What's the real longing? Because I won't be able to provide for my family. And I won't, I'm just going to fall short of being a man or being a woman that I'm supposed to be. God says, give me that. That's the one I'm looking for. That's what I'm waiting for. You know what the word peace means in this passage, by the way? To bind together something that's broken. (laughs) And can I just throw out there, we're all broken people. And when things break inside of us, anxiety slips in the cracks. And we start worrying. We start fretting. And this is where God steps into the picture and goes, I know how to stand guard of your heart, your emotions, and I know how to stand guard of your mind with peace. And I know how to mend what's broken in your life if you give me time to speak into it. And if you give me what's bothering you. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word that it speaks directly to where we are in life and that God, you have an answer for our anxiety. And the answer is you you speaking into what we're struggling with, what we're scared about, and that God, as we wrestle with that and struggle with that, that we can have peace of God and the God of peace. I'm so grateful for those truths. So God, as we leave today, let us, let us know that you care about us and that we really are yours. So you will walk with us and never leave us and never forsake us. And it's in your name I pray, amen.